You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, your home for news, views, security stories, technology, and all sorts of other related chit-chat that catches our attention. Hello, one and all, and welcome to this week's episode. And, uh, this week, goodbye OS ten, hello OS eleven. Um, after WWDC, Apple have made it clear that OS ten is no more. Big Sur is going to be Mac OS eleven. Anyway, to talk to me this week, and uh, probably to wander well off the point into all sorts of uh, related things that caught our attention, I have Mark. Hello, Mark. What do you mean? I never go off topic, but I have just finished my other podcast and YouTube show, the Watching Men show, where this week we've covered Snowpiercer and the Eurovision song. You've just gone off topic. You're new. <laughs> <laughs> and as you can hear, there's Jim. Hello, Jim. YouTube using Apple stuff. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and Nick. Hello, Nick. Hello, everybody. Can always talk about Picard with Nick. Nobody mentioned it. Nobody mentioned it. Nobody mentioned it. Oh, dear, oh, dear. So, here we are again. Um, another week. WWDC has come to its uh, close. Um, obviously, <clears throat> we all watched the keynote, I'm sure. Um, did anybody watch the State of the Union? No, no, it was possible, to be honest. Yeah, it's on Apple's page. It's on Apple's page. I watched, well, I didn't watch all of the State of the Union. I watched um, all the stuff until they got into the coding, because when they started talking about coding, then that's way over my head. So I, I watched probably, I think, probably a half of it, which is the general discussion at the start about what's happening. Um Adds quite a lot more, uh, you know, depth to the, uh, you know, the keynote itself. Um, so it's worth it's worth searching out um, if you're interested. Um, bit more depth. Uh, it's on the Apple TV as well. Yes. Um, I, I I watched the. Um, they've they've changed it again. Yes. So they, at one time they had an Apple TV. They had a, a, a an app for the. Uh, for the keynote, uh, but when you go into the keynote app, it says no, it's in Apple TV now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I went and found it in there. But I think the state of address is in there as well, isn't it? Um, I don't know. So. I, I I watched it. Um, or I I watched it on my laptop as it happened. Um, right. I think it, it is. I think it's in Apple TV as well. Is it available on YouTube as well? Oh, quite likely. Quite likely. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Um. Well. If you haven't watched it, it's probably worth watching if you're interested in a bit more information than, um, you know, is in the keynote itself. Um, but as I say, about halfway through, they start talking about um, coding for the new APIs, which at which point is I, I think that's <laughs> I think that's beyond me. I'll, I'll stop at that point. But um, so what was your was big takeaway the then from, from the bit you did watch? What was the, can you remember anything that... Um that sort of stuck out in particular um i mean it 
they that's where they make it because in the keynote um if you watch it back you'll see that uh, big sir is tagged as 11 but they never made a big thing of it in the keynote they never really mentioned that it was going to be mac os 11 that that's made very clear in the um in the state of the union uh there's a lot of talk about um kernel extensions being deprecated um the apis that you should use instead to um reduce the attack surface on the os um no there's a short answer none of it uh particularly you know stood out to me it's just more information on a lot of what was talked about in the in the keynote um stuff about the you know there's stuff about the ui kit and making use of catalyst and um there's a lot more stuff in in the state of the union obviously about compiling apps for um compatibility um whether or not they should use rosetta and and so on um if you're interested in a bit more um a bit more depth than is in the keynote then that is you know well worth a watch but um, so do, do, you, do we think that um they're waking waiting for apple silicon to make it 11 do you think that's the reason for going to 11 i think that is probably the the break point yes that they've changed it because this os is going to be um compiled for apple silicon native and also to run on intel um I, I yeah. think that's probably the. I think that's their their reasoning behind it. Because um, they've gone quite a lot, quite, quite a lot longer on ten than I thought they would. <laughs> well, yeah. I they, thought once they once they got to ten, 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 they would have sort of said, "Well, we probably had enough of this now. We'll change it." Yeah. But um, I mean, I, normally it would be normally in in a, in a sort of your average software company, it would be when the next major release came out. But because we now get sort of uh, trickle fed stuff year on year on year on year um there is no natural break between 10 and 11 well, so I it mean, makes sense but I, I to some extent in reality they they had you know mac os 10 and obviously that was because it was um you know a whole new os uh, built on darwin you know and the yes um so unix. it was a complete rewrite effectively and, yeah and the unix underpinning so that they had that but then they kind of went 10 1 10 2 10 3 and certainly once we got past 10.3, I mean, once you went 10.4 Tiger, 10.5 Leopard, I mean, they're practically a new OS every year anyway. Um, oh, in many ways, if you think about, you know, going from 9 to 10, that was a huge leap. Yeah. Um, with 10, the only big difference was going from um, PowerPC to Intel. Yeah. Uh, you but, could have said that was a chance to you'll go up to um mac os 11 but they but, didn't but they didn't um but with 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 this new arm base one that's another giant leap like you know like going from power pc to intel so yeah 11 would, would be the right point to move on yeah and i you would, think because yeah. well it's to do with the um the new style as well because it, de it definitely has a somewhat different look about it, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it's very much yeah. Uh, iOS and look. I, th I, th yeah. I think this was the first um, OS release they've done where there wasn't really um, any talk about new features in so much as, you remember when we got all excited, was it last year or the year before that we could do so much more with notes that news was coming to the Mac and uh, quick peek and all that sort of stuff. Whereas this time around, the focus has definitely just been on the uh, the catalyst apps rather than 
anything new coming to the OS. It's sort yeah. of like a new OS, but it's not, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I really do think um, this year it's very much about uh, unifying the look and feel and getting a coherent UI across the across the devices. I mean, a lot of people. Yeah, what, what you don't want when you don't what you don't want when you're going from one um, chip type to another chip type is to have you, the, the ground moving under you, as it were. No, don't don't yeah. you, you want many... it to stay pretty static while 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 the changes take place. Yeah, exactly. I think you you don't want to start messing with core features while you're already trying to make a big another big transition. You know, don't twiddle all the knobs at once, lads. That's not not how you do it. <laughs> wow. And speaking of which, the changes. I've been looking and I've been trying to adjust to the the icon style of Big Sur. I'm not a fan. I've oh, tried. Right. I've I've looked at the what was it the Mac Apple Insider or the Mac Rumors article? I think it was where they showed the difference between the old and the new, and it looks a very big step back. It's all not skeuomorphic, but there's aspects of it. Yes, well they've coined that. it. Does that mean that? Yes, they have, and they've. they've coined a term for this and it's called newomorphism oh, <laughs> which is which is kind of let's let's take the flat icons and then start adding depth to them but not full skewomorphism so not shiny chrome bezels and you know photorealism I mean, they, all, they, they just look so there doesn't seem to be any uniformity to them they're all sort of different colors in different blends they just don't it just looks like i'm a set of icons so, and i know they are a set of icons but i don't know if i'm making myself uh, yeah, explain well, I, I understand what you're saying i mean it's like the you know in the dock they're all now square aren't they they're all like ios tiles which is what kelly was saying last week you know they're all they've all become tiles um oh, the, yeah. oh, is that how it's gone has it all right okay so, so i'm just looking at my dock now and so a lot, of, a lot of them are round. Yes, well, they, them are square. <laughs> yes, but they went, they, they had a thing. When was it? Was it Lion or Mountain Lion? They introduced the round icons. and the, Right. They had this thing that icons should be round. They went from, uh, you know, kind of multi-shaped. I mean, at one point, the icons could be almost any shape. And some still yeah. are, bizarrely. So, for example, I mean, if you look at your keychain access, it's still three, it's a bunch of keys. Yeah. Um, and but the, they kind of drifted towards this round style, which many people have gone to. So, yes, I mean, I'm looking at mine. Obviously, Safari's round, um, News is and round. Probably in Octagon. Um, I look at my dot. You got Safari round, Mail square. Uh, what else we got? Messages square, News is round. Mm. And so I, it's not that I'm against them all being, you know, a, a particular shape. It's just the colours in the iconography. It just, I'm going to use, a, I don't know if this is right, it just feels like a, a bit too childish, a bit too. Um... What, what you're seeing is uh, it's been iOSified. Uh, it's been made to, you know, corporate image, a familiar look. So you can come from an iPad, an iPhone to the Mac and they all look the same. You'll all get the you know, similar kind of experience. If you look at Big Sur's dock, it's very much in the style of the iPad stock. It is. Yeah. It yeah. also now yeah. f- float instead of you know it now yeah. floats instead of being on the bottom of the screen. It actually floats above the sc- 
above the bottom of the screen in the same way mm. as if you look at your right. iPhone, the dock doesn't actually touch the bottom of the screen. Um, I yeah. mean, that's all, you know, that's all cosmetic. Yeah. And, and to Mark... Yeah, it doesn't point, bother me much. I'm looking at it now. It doesn't bother me much one way or another. I haven't really you looked get used at it. it in the end. I haven't yeah. looked at it that closely, yeah, and I'm sure you'll get used to it. And as for the, you know, like you were saying, Mark, some of the, you know, some of the depth and the gradients and whatnot seem a bit OTT. You know, it's it's yeah, early, I, it's I, early I days. They, they may well get toned down during the course of the um, beta period. Quite often, these things do. Um, but it says something when I'm actually looking at the Microsoft images and logos, and I'm thinking. In a lot of cases, Microsoft logos and icons are—they've got the edge, and I never thought I'd be saying that. I'm well, a disappointed that or with some of them, they just appear to have—they've not quite known what to do with them, so they've just bunged them on a white background. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a little bit disappointing, but uh, but on the I, whole, yeah, I think that bad. was partly what Kelly was saying. You know, why why do they need to be on a tile? I mean, we're all used to the Safari icon which is you know a round compass why does it need to be on a white square (laughs) what's wrong with it continuing to be a you know floating on a on a white you know on a transparent square effectively yeah yeah yeah. um but that's that's what they've decided it's taste isn't it in the end people will some people will like it some people won't and and some some people who don't like it will change their minds part of the way through (laughs) yeah and you know (laughs) some of things it will get, well, it will get refined. One of the notable things about the keynote was um, where they brought in all the uh, Microsoft stuff. Uh, they talked about uh, Word and various other Microsoft things rather than talking about uh, pages and you know, yeah. keynote. And, um, I think probably... Uh, I think the problem that, sorry for butting in, um, I think the reason they probably did that was because they realized that most Mac users who need access to PC stuff, Mm -hmm. it's it's mostly Office. But did you notice one thing? um, (laughs) that At the moment, they're saying uh, you won't be able to run Windows on uh, ARM-based Mac. I'm a bit puzzled by that because there's... there's, uh, um, Windows not working on an ARM based computer already. Yes, in the form it does. Of the Surface it, Pro X. It does. It, well, yeah, but it, it's a very cut down version of though. Well, I and think also the, um, the Microsoft haven't gone the full way of porting all the APIs and the stuff that you need to say um, run Windows on ARM properly. Mm. I think that was it. Was that right? I want to... Yeah, for a lot of the Microsoft apps. They won't come across because they haven't been the APIs haven't been bought across properly. I believe. Well, I think the the thing is what you've got, isn't it? Is part of it is you've got you've got Windows on ARM, uh, which is what Windows X, I think, for the Surface Pro X, um, uh-huh. and then that's running like you know other x86 x86 windows stuff in you know a rosetta type emulator um or translation layer um at the moment i mean unsurprisingly this doesn't surprise me very much at all they're basically saying boot camp is a, a goner right because obviously the the whole thing with intel is you've basically got the same hardware underneath as 
you know, any number of other um, P Windows PCs. So it's perfectly possible to run Windows directly on the Apple hardware. Um, so that's going away. And that's not, I mean, not, not immediately because obviously all the uh, Intel based Macs will continue to be able to do that. But if you buy yeah. an Apple Silicon Mac, then boot camp is out the window because there's now that's, you see, I think if you, if you if you speak to the average person going uh, who doesn't own a Mac and who's going into the shop for the first time, and you ask them what they want, they say, "Well, I want to buy a computer, yes, uh, and it's got to be able to run Word and Excel and oh. PowerPoint because they use those at work." Ah, but and that'll be it. But but for the vast majority there, of people. But to jump in there, I'm just on the Apple website now, and it says your next computer isn't a computer; it's the iPad. And then we come back to the conversation I was having with Kelly is that you hear the iPad is a computer and then they say, oh, well, will it run Office? You can say, well, you can sort of run Office. It's, it's, got, it's got an app. You can use the web version. And I think this is what worries me about this ARM-based Mac is I hope we genuinely get the apps that we've been crying out for on the iPad. Well, for... I think, I mean, part of you the see... reason that they, that I'm, pretty sure as nick said part of the reason they went with office first is to say look office is still being supported the other thing they were saying is look this is a native um version for apple yeah. silicon this is not being emulated this is not this is not taking the version you have now and running it in using rosetta what we're doing is building a new native apple silicon version of office um so it's you know if you move forward with an apple silicon mac you are not going to get burned and that's why they also showed Photoshop and said Adobe are on board and and all the rest. And yeah, I was I was listening actually. To, I was listening last um, earlier in the week to um, to you, you and Kelly Mark um, having a little ding dong about uh, about this issue. <laughs> and um, uh, I I think I think the reason we don't see that I mean the, the fact that they were running the powerful software on the Mac with the twelve Z processor in there shows that it's possible on a Mac. The problem with putting it on an iPad is the different interface. And what you've got to do is take all the complexity that is something like Photoshop and somehow squeeze it into something that where you can use your finger. Yes. And, yes. and that's part of the problem. It, it's not so much will it work, it's will it work in a way that people will want to use it. And can be accessible. Funny enough, I've got a video coming about this, you know, this very topic. And a good example of that is iMovie. And I, it took me ages to work out how to do a green screen. And then once yeah, I had to, you know, even there was no help on Apple or no in the app. So I had to go to YouTube. And then when they said, all right, press, long hold, brings up a contextual menu, it's like, oh, great. And, you know, the, the fact about the pro apps is, unfortunately, they still need that menu bar at the top. Yeah. But I don't know if I posted it in the right chat window. Uh, I've just seen now that some sod has gone and got Mac OS Big Sur running on an iPad and an iPhone. So of course like, they have. Oh. <laughs> of course they have. Yes. Yeah. I well, mean the other the same chip. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the other the other thing that we've um, is at the moment a lot of people like me uh, run Windows. You know, I'm not interested in boot camp. Right. That's that's of no concern to me whatsoever. Uh, yeah, if you want to run Windows because you want to play PC games or whatever, that might be a thing, you know, because you're looking to squeeze out every last drop of performance you can. 
But for many of us, we run Windows in, you know, Parallels or VMware Fusion or, yeah, in my true. case, VirtualBox. Now, at the moment, we don't know where that stands. I mean, Craig uh, Federighi has said both to, I believe, John Gruber and Marcus Brownlee that that is not a viable option. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, because the Rosetta... Gosh, those companies are worried. Well, because what he's saying is the Rosetta 2 um, translation layer does yeah. not translate, you know, low-level uh, system calls. Oh, okay. And, and so they've APIs. got to completely rewrite it, is what you're saying. So um, how that's going to pan out long-term, nobody knows. Oh, I think, yeah. Nobody has mm. yet... The thing to look at here is why do people want to run Windows? And it's usually for apps or tasks that the Mac can't do. Um, for example, Excel was a complete nightmare on the Mac for a good few years. And I, I would run a Windows VM just because it was just so poorly optimized. But there, there was that. No, there was but, that. I mean, and know. don't get me wrong. I am a, you know, a very small slice of a very specialist field in a very particular industry where most of us will have a windows vm and the reason we do that is mostly for a few a few apps that you can't um you know you are not available on uh on the mac so uh, for example things like um microsoft publisher there is no microsoft publisher on mac um serif page plus was a, another uh application yeah. that um I used to have on the Windows less now because obviously Serif moved over to Affinity and then they went from Mac first to cross-platform. Um, and so obviously I recommend that to people quite a lot. Uh, but the other reason, one of the biggest reasons, and Mark, will, it, it's not so much Excel in my case, but yes, Excel on Windows is a much more powerful beast than Excel on the Mac. But it's, yeah. mad, it's, isn't it? it's it's word, word. Okay, word compatibility across documents is a nightmare. It is a nightmare not only from Mac to PC, but between even different versions of Word on the same platform. Um, and yeah. if somebody sends said, you a, a four hundred page document that they've done in Word, and if they've done it in Word, yeah. I don't know, let's say. 2012 or something and i open it on my version and it's 2018 the whole bloody thing will reflow it's a nightmare so having um, said that having said i absolutely agree with that but having said that i i always thought when i first came over to the mac i couldn't believe how well the mac handled <laughs> how, how oh, no. well pages handled uh, word because at the time nothing else did nothing no, else would read no, word files and, at and all for, for... You know, don't get me wrong. I'm, as I say, in a very, you know, niche field, really, where yeah. exact duplication of the file. We obviously, you know, which is why we say to people, if you want to send something that you formatted in Word, make a bloody PDF, please. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. because that oh, will yeah. create create a document <laughs> from your fonts on your system and your version, and then it's done. And then we, you know, it's 99% likely to be uh, safe unlike sending us a word wishing... document <laughs> yeah i'm wishing for a world that number one when you've got an application form for anything it is not sent as a word document number yes. two when it is sent as a word document 
make it editable. But the thing is, that is not easy. I spent months once just trying to create a really simple word form into a PDF that someone could fill in without having to go in to buy uh, Adobe Pro or something like that. And it's just a, it was oh, it's horrible. to go online. It's horrible. It. Yeah. Making um, f- uh, fillable PDF forms. Uh, take it from me. Even if you have um you know acrobat pro which designed for doing such things is still horrible so just don't don't go there it's a nightmare <laughs> and so in the 20th century 21st century we are still down in the area of uh, someone writes the form you email the form you print the form you fill in the form you scan the form you then email it back <laughs> so so do you think with the the new versions that we're getting with for the Apple Silicon, are they going to be full versions, or are they yet again going to be close to full versions? <laughs> that they can't go, they can't do a Windows RT, or it's it's going to be bad enough having the iPad, which is going to have a very similar processor, and they say, well, they both sort of have the same processors, but. If you buy an iPad, you can't do everything what you do on a computer. Yes, it's a computer. They have to have a full Word experience out of the box. Otherwise, you've then got an iPad. You can't really do everything in Word on. You've got an Apple Silicon computer. You can't really do everything on. But if you want to do everything on the, on with Word, and admittedly, a lot of people don't use advanced features, but let's just go with it. You have to buy an Intel Mac. Mm. Yeah, I, I... And it's something as well, just to bring up a point. Isn't it bonkers that we go through the hassle of installing a VM, adding a virtual network driver, all that sort of stuff like VirtualBox, installing Windows, installing Office, and even with all that overhead, Office still runs better? <laughs> well, there we go. We have to... That we're going to have to wait and see. But um, as for... Um, the future of even virtualizing windows on uh, apple silicon we're going to have to wait and see what uh, because at the moment they're yeah. saying you know even uh, parallels and whatnot cannot do that now yes there is a version of windows for for arm we know that um at the moment the the problem with that and no doubt there are other te- technical reasons, no doubt, which would have to be surmounted. But the biggest problem with that is you cannot go out and buy Windows for ARM. It's OEM yeah. only, right? The only people who get to use that are basically, you know, the Surface X um, and See, the I, few, I, I think we're, I think we're in a very other, different... Sorry, go on. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, and a few other, you know, um, manufacturers who make um, ARM-based laptops. Yeah. There's the new uh, operating system, uh, what's it, Windows 10X that's due out. Is that not an ARM-based one? Not if, you, not if you can just go and buy it, no. Although I think that I think the X moniker may be, it might be similar. More to... for foldable. I think it's more of a light sort of version of Windows that's more focused on the foldable uh, mm. machines, apparently. My only worry is, is that are developers going to develop for a computer that realistically is only going to have maybe 1% to 2% market share? 
or are we going to end up in a situation where we're at now, where you know, when when the iPad came out, we were promised full feature, you know, fully feature rich apps and all that sort of stuff. But basically, a lot of them are just wrappers for web apps. I don't see the. Apple I think that's a little bit unfair, Mark. In all honesty, some of the apps for the for the iPad are absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I... I've seen some incredible stuff done on iPad. That uh, I was, I was, I stumbled upon someone using. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. It, it's for streaming video. I, 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 I was gobsmacked by the, by the, the uh, a the number of things you could plug into it, and <laughs> into your iPad, uh, and and what you could do on it. The fact that we've not got those powerful Mac apps that you that that, that you know we wheel out every time the video ones and the photo ones and as i say i think that's much more about interface than this is about I, a, a I capability agree. i i agree with that i do agree with that very much so well, i think i was more thinking about things like slack uh, and microsoft teams you know those sort of apps which are cross-platform and rather than having to uh, I, I do yeah you are right nick there are some great apps but i, I sort of still feel more in general that if you've got cross-party apps, are they, you know, are people going to add the new features for Apple Silicon, or were they? Are they just going to keep, you know, pushing out a sort of? I think there are. There's a certain field of applications which, as you say, are to some extent, um, you know, wrappers for uh, web apps, what they could call Electron or whatever it is, um, and. I don't think those are ever going to change, and there's a reason for that because they tend to be things like Slack and Twitter and Microsoft Teams and things like that, and they're all they all tend to focus around being connected anyway. So yeah. why why bother to build and maintain three or four or six different native clients? Yes, as a as us as you know geek users are. This is not as nice as a proper native client, but it's the same old thing. Why build and maintain six native apps for the 10% of the buying public or using consumer base who care? Most people don't care. They open Slack or Quip or, you know. Yeah, if you write a piece of software that works best with a, with a uh, finger-pointing interface, and then you port it across to the Mac because, well, it's fairly easy to do that, so you might as well. That's never going to be as good as writing a native Mac app. And in fact, you might find that the number of Mac users you've you've got are very small anyway because it actually wasn't originally designed for that. Yeah. I mean, not every app will work across every device. That's the whole point. No, it won't. But it's a lot – the other thing is it's a lot easier to take something which is designed for finger input isn't it and emulate that with your with your mouse pointer than it is yes. to go in reverse because yes absolutely because you can have much smaller um uh, targets you know, the targets with your, are with your much, mouse pointer targets yeah. are much smaller yeah. you have things with you know all your pop outs and scroll uh, you know your drop down menus and whatnot um and, and, and let's face it we're, we're, those of us who own macs i mean i know quite a lot of people use laptops but Quite a lot of people, when they get laptops, think, "Oh, I'd like a bigger screen." Mm. <laughs> it's it's you, nice to you, work on a nice big screen. But if you look at, um, if you take iOS, macOS, uh, iPadOS, if you look at them uh, and um, and the way they work now, iPadOS and 
iOS in general, well, ma- mainly iPad OS, is now becoming not only a touch uh, interface operated by your finger, but you can now use the pencil. The, the uh, Mac OS is slowly evolving into um, you know, not only keyboard, but uh, mouse, and probably when you get the ARM computers, uh, touch. I, I, yeah. I, I suspect I that we will see touchscreens in the ARM base. I must admit, it's something that crossed my mind while I was watching the keynote is, are we, is that what we're heading for? Yeah, I, I still, I've been saying this for years, and I still say iOS, macOS will become one. I think they... I, 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 yeah, on, I agree. I, I, I agree to a certain extent. I've heard you say this before, uh, James, yeah. and, I, and I think to a certain extent you're right. I think we'll end up with one OS with one code base. Yeah, scale. But, but but it will adjust itself depending on what device you're using. I don't think mm. we'll ever end up with the Mac interface on the iPad. Yeah, but, well, but one, one 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 program that will effectively be it will adjust itself depending yeah. on what device it's on. Yeah. Yeah, I think I can see that happening. Yeah. So same, same I think we're almost there now. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I just hope that we don't end up with the, the new Apple Silicon, which is going to be hellishly powerful, and we end up with iPad apps in iOS apps that don't take advantage of the new power, or you just that's what you end up with. There's no um as much as I don't want to see it in, but I do that we get the pro apps, which we're going to get, but in, which we get from Apple, but from the other developers, it's although, although yes, you can go click compile run, not as easy as that. Will they put the effort in to the platform to make the Apple Silicon app a bit better? I, I think they will. I think they will. And I think that, um, I think to start with, we will have some, think back to when we first had the iPad. What was 80% of it? It was iPhone apps that were blown up double size. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, do you remember that? Yeah. Well, that, uh, oh. So, yeah, we are going to end up with some stuff that is a bit shoddy and that really needs attention. But hopefully over time, it'll become like the iPad and it will become a really useful tool. I, yeah, and... I, I think d- despite the, the, the fact that there will be some of that at the start, the ability to... Um, import and run ios apps natively is going to bring a lot of stuff to the mac it's going to um you know it's really going to bring a lot of developers um, i will say i'm like if luma fusion sorts out a few issues that i've been having with green screen it'll be absolutely fantastic to be uh, let's say out on the beach with the ipad do a bit of video editing it syncs up to the cloud and then i could run luma fusion um on you know on on the apple silicon i would absolutely love that but then again unfortunately it's gonna but the problem you've got there is you're stuck with the version for the ipad and if they were to do let's say an apple silicon version that's going to have features that probably won't work backwards so it's going to be interesting to see how they keep some form of feature parity yet differentiate you know the desktop apps over an ipad app wouldn't it be interesting? Now, here's a thought that's just crossed my mind. And I know Apple aren't going to do this, but wouldn't it be interesting if when you went into an, uh, uh, an Apple shop and they said, well, what do you want? Do you want the portability of the iPhone or do you want the port- the portability but but larger iPad? Or, or you could have a full desktop computer. And all you have to do is buy these three different things and we give you a little chip that you slot in the side. Mm. And it doesn't matter which one, it's the same chip. 
Then you're back to what I was saying last week. I, I can see I can see a kind of toughness uh, style um, device from Apple, where you can you know, detach a keyboard. It can it become a, an iPad when it's detached. It can become a full computer when it's attached. Um, it gives you uh, gives you all three of those visions uh, well, options. I, in one yeah, I can see that quite, being quite appealing. Personally, I'll tell you what. Some people. Yeah. Well, how, how, about, how about this? How about an iMac that has touchscreen and gesture like they have in cars now where you can wave your finger around to increase or decrease the volume? So you've got an iMac which you can stand in front of and wave your hands at and it'll do various things or you can touch the screen or you can interact with a keyboard. There was a gadget like that years ago, wasn't there? It was like... Um... Oh, yeah, I had one of those. What was that? Yeah. Uh... yeah. What was it? it was leap. like a little oblong thing. Leap. Magic leap. That's the one. Magic leap. That was it, yes. Which it never really worked that successfully. But... And never, no. <laughs> Burned through large amounts of venture capital and uh, never really delivered on their promise. I mean, I know, and this has been mooted before, and I think uh, a long time ago, uh, myself and Guy Searle talked about it. Um, you know, the idea that you had a computing core which you know, like your phone, yeah. Uh, and people did make some where you could put your, you take your phone and you put your phone into um, a bigger screen. It becomes, a, you know, a, a tablet. You, you you can take it and put it into a laptop. Um, you can take it and put it into. And I'm not sure we're quite there yet. But as you know, if you start well, going, I'm not on sure. To... I mean, Apple have just proved, haven't they, that they can they can use yes a, uh, an iPad chip to run a PC to run a Mac. So... <laughs> yes. We're not yeah. far off. We're not well, that you can far actually, off. You can actually buy this now, not 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 an Apple device, but you no. can actually buy a computer, a laptop, which you plug up. You you can put the, the your phone inside of it. Yeah. But are you making? You're probably making compromises to do that, aren't you? What we're saying is we're now almost at a point where you don't have to compromise anything. No. You actually and, have a powerful yeah, but, Mac but, and and yeah. and an iPad and. Yeah, but that, what yeah. this is is a, it's a it's your mobile phone, which becomes the powerhouse of the uh, yeah the, well, the, the laptop. Yeah. yeah, that's available just now. Where you where literally you dock your phone. Yeah, and the uh, it goes landscape. It has icons along the bottom. It's basically uh, like Chrome OS in so in pretty much. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, yeah. if you start building everything on the same chip core, now I'm not saying we're there yet, but you could envisage a future where what you have is your computing core, which is, you know, an object which you have carry around with you, which simply snaps into a variety of devices. Um, I mean, that's whether that's a viable future, because, you know, there are reasons why there are desktops and laptops and iPads and phones. But that is something which could come in the, you know, in the further. We're certainly we're certainly closer to having something that is that that would be viable now. Yes. Uh, as I say, I think I think what we've had in the past and probably is available now is a bit of a compromise. Yes, it is very but, much so. But uh, but I think we're now very close to being able to, if that's what Apple wanted to do. If I mean, that could what be that we're. Been. They they might they might just really hate that idea. <laughs> they might really detest that idea. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it's a very sci-fi concept, you know, that you have an object which is yours, and it's like your personal computing core, and that is yeah, it does all sorts of things. But you know, 
Well, if it's sci-fi, what I'd want it to do is is for me to pick up my computing core and it float in midair and then slot yeah. itself in yes. very slowly. <laughs> and speak to you, yeah. Um, yes. Well, well, we, well but, one question is, so on day one, if everyone had the funds and was so willing, who would buy a version one Apple Silicon machine? Bearing in mind, ooh. look what happened to the, what was it, the MacBook Air and how quickly that old? Who would take the plunge on day one? No, I wouldn't. No, probably not. Uh, I would probably wouldn't be able to afford it for a start. No, but... <laughs> um, if if money was no object, then I probably would, purely out of um, wanting Curiosity. to have one. But yeah. um, like the when the iPad launched, the iPad One, um, I, I I don't think I had the money at the time. But anyway, it was like no, I'm not going to buy into that. I bought, uh, or we as a family bought an iPad 2, um, which was the next iteration, which is, of course, was, you know, only five mil thick. And um, the thing with that is that was supported all the way from whatever iOS version it, it, uh, it came with all the way up, I think, to iOS 9, whereas the iPad 1 topped out at about iOS 5 or 6. Yeah. Um, and it was very obvious the minute the iPad 2 shipped that the iPad 1 was almost like a concept machine. It was, you know, much well, it's, lower it's, power. It's true across most of, it's true across most of um, Apple stuff, though, isn't it? I mean, version zero of the watch. Yeah. Um, the very first iPhone. Uh, 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 they are, people have to be uh, quite, quite... Uh, Quite keen. What's the word I'm after? Yeah, Apple, keen. Apple uh, fanboys, really fanboys well, yeah, and I mean, girls. I, you know, I to had actually to... go for the very first one because they know it's going to be obsoleted relatively quickly. Relatively quickly. I had an, I had an, um, an original iPhone. Um, I had the, uh, I didn't buy it new. I bought it second hand. Um, Apple Watch Zero. I bought that about six months after the Apple Watch came out, maybe a bit more. When the Series 1 and 2 were released, basically, I bought it from someone local who said, I'm selling this yes. nine yeah. months old or whatever it was because I'm going to buy the Series 1. So I got it cheap. And, you know, it wasn't till Christmas I replaced it with the Series 3 I've got now. Um, but I, I'm not sure about a more expensive i mean part of the reason i guess i didn't rush out and buy an original ipad was one i thought mm, i suspect that the series you know series two of this is going to be a lot better and have be a lot longer supported which proved to be true but also i didn't have a screaming need for an ipad um no would i buy if money was no object yes i would go and buy an apple silicon mac version one um in reality I doubt I'll be buying one until one's, you know, available secondhand. But I no, would I probably would not buy a Gen One one to be honest. Um, I mean, I the last um, time that that happened was uh, my wife bought the original white plastic MacBook, um, the Intel one, the very first Intel one. Um, and yeah. whilst, whilst that was a very good machine, it suffered from a variety of problems with like the plastic discolouring, with the um, faceplate cracking, with the bezel coming away, various things. It went back to Apple three or four times. It was all fixed. Don't get me wrong, you know. But that machine, being a very first gen, suffered with a lot of problems. Um, at the same time, 
I decided to buy um, a G4 iBook um, as the last of, you know, the last of the thoroughbred line, knowing that by the time it was obsolete, the um, the Intel machines would be well and truly bedded in and, you know, yeah. four, four or five years under their belt. Um, and that, you know, that G4 iBook served me very, very well. Um, that that kind of brings us on to the point of what what are they going to release? Are they going to release, like Kelly said, a Mac Mini? With well, Ring Kelly, Ring... if if you if you listen back to that, Kelly argued both for and against everything she suggested. <laughs> um, she first of all oh, said no. <laughs> she said she says first of all it won't be the Mac Mini because of this, that, and the other. And then she kind of veered the other way after I made some points about why it might be the Mac Mini, and then she swerved back again uh, because none of us know. And there, there are a variety of reasons you can put forward or against pretty much any model. Um, has anyone seen? Has anyone seen an unboxing of the uh, of the development kit? No, it's an article yeah. on the websites. Yeah, uh, right. I, I actually saw caught a YouTube um, review yesterday. It's interesting. Mm. They've they've made one or two slight changes that you think, oh, I wonder why they've done that. Like um, the uh, the Mac Mini I've just bought has got four uh, US. Uh, Yes, USB-C uh, uh, Thunderbolt 3 connections on the back. Um, whereas the, the development one only has two. So I wonder why, wonder why they'd change it. Why, why bother changing it? Unless it's something to do with the internals. Yeah, they've possibly. Got, they've had to make more space or something in the internals. Um, I, I don't know. But uh, it was pretty much the same as the, Mac Mini, it, the, mod, the modern Mac Mini. But does it have anything, from the um, ports. Does it have anything else? Does it have like a... It doesn't have any other ports that the that yours doesn't have. Well, it's just no, no, just the same ones. So a couple of uh, uh, USB three, um, and then you know uh, network. I mean, it um, could it could be a, it could be, and I'm, I'm I'm guessing wildly because I don't know, but I'm just thinking it could be. For example, if it's built on which we know it probably is, um, you know, an iPad Pro um, chip. Yeah. chip and uh possibly even part motherboard um you know is it that the usb controller on the on that chip that you know doesn't support uh, more than two channels yes it could be because they didn't say this would they didn't say that no, the it's development not the f- machine would be the final did they oh, they, they said actually said just, it's not just for development yeah craig craig um i don't know if it was in that or whether it was it might have been in the state of union where they made it perfectly clear that that is a development development kit it is not the final, um, nowhere near. Okay, you know, final that, that sort of makes sense, then, doesn't it? So they're, they're saying, they're, you know, as you say, they're, it could be something internal, or it could be that the chip won't support it at this point. So yeah, well, I mean, yeah. what they've said is that there will there will be special custom silicon for the Apple machines, and they will not be the same chips as go into uh, iPad Pros. It's just at the moment the most advanced custom chip they have available is the 12z from from the um ipad pro so what they're saying is this is this is the this is the sort of silicon and you know it's running a a beta of a of a native os so you can start building your apps but this is not going to be what the first no, they'll probably. I wonder which is the. Uh, I wonder which is the best selling. I wonder which is the best selling of their Macs at the moment. I would is say it, what, the iPad Pro. I would say the the not best, iPad. Sorry. The, <laughs> I reckon the best selling 
Mac is almost certainly the 13-inch MacBook Pro. Yeah, I wondered whether it would be that. So I wonder whether they'll go with that first. That would be my guess. They'll go for whichever is the biggest market. Well, as Kelly said, you either... Either you go for that and try and hit the biggest market straight away, or you go for one that's not such a big seller mm. because then you okay, don't have. Which would be the Mac Mini, would it? There's, there's two Possibly. possibilities. You're either you're either going to have a new iMac uh, with ARM based, or you're going to have a 14 inch MacBook. Excuse me a moment. Echo, shut up. <laughs> yeah. I she, was I, telling me my, she was telling me all about what a Mac Mini was. Yeah, I <laughs> it, 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 it could be. You might see something at the end of this year. And, you know, as far as I understood, there was, there's something new coming out at the end of the year. But whether that's an ARM-based computer or not, I don't know. But the, the way I read through the keynote was well, maybe a year or two down the road before we'll see any real signs of ARM-based computers. No, they're saying the first ARM computer will come out before the end of this year, so probably we're looking at right, okay. December. December November. December the 31st. <laughs> yeah, quite so, possibly. Okay, um, and then, again, in the in the State of the Union, they made it clear that they will transition all of their machines to right. Apple custom silicon within the next, in two, the next years. two years. Right, okay. Right, but in the meantime, that does not, uh, you know, and uh, I think it was Craig again who said new, or maybe it was Tim Cook, um, you know, new Intel machines are still in the pipeline so that, you know, new Intel machines will be coming out maybe for the next year to 18 months um, until they're replaced. we'll get a whole different form factor. Because thinking about it, if you release a laptop, then you're knocking on the door of the MacBook uh, Pro laptops, and then you're knocking on the door of the iPad with a keyboard. The Mac Mini, I think, uh, I don't know. I think that it, it just seems too much of an awkward form factor. So you go in, I mean, maybe it might be one way Apple will make up their revenue where they won't make as much profit on the actual box itself, but you're in the Apple store, you're going to buy a keyboard there, you're going to buy a mouse there because it's all new. I think if you go for the iMac, you're then hitting that point of, well, we have two iMacs. We have the one with Apple Silicon and the one with uh, Intel Silicon. And I think it will be the iMac to get it first, and or maybe... I could imagine uh, something like the like a big Thunderbolt enclosure style case, and basically a, a reworking of the Mac Mini, but in a new form factor. So a Mac, a Mac MIDI, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, modular I, Mac Mini. I, oh, jings, man! Don't be stuck. Apple modular. No, I, I, I my drive where they could charge you five hundred quid for it. I think I, if I was a betting man, and I'm not, I think I would lay my money on the the standard iMac, which I consider to be the kind of definitive twenty-one and a half inch one Office Mac as being yes, the first one to go to Apple Silicon. Probably not their biggest seller, but it gets it out into the enterprise to a large extent. It gets it into people's offices. Um, that that's my that's my betting, and then that the laptops will follow. Um, but we, dear <laughs> listeners, dear listeners, please get onto Slack and let us know what you think. Yes, yes. It's also about the price as well, because. Uh, 
I, it's been very interesting to see in the press that they've all said, oh, they've, they've shied away from saying it will ma- make Max cheaper. Because as we all know, if Apple can save on production costs and making their own equipment, that's never, ever, ever going to result in a saving for us end users. I mean, you think how long they make stuff for and they must have it down to such an efficient process that they just yield more and more and more so they get more profit. Yeah, that's right. It's about as ludicrous as saying, well, because batteries now only cost 120 quid per kilowatt hour, electric cars will get a lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. they won't. Manufacturers <laughs> just make more profit. Yes. Well, uh, something I did want to bring up, um, and the links are in the show notes, which is the backwards compatibility of um, OS 11 and of iOS 14. Um, Apple once again have, I mean, Jim and I have a 2013, you know, uh, MacBook Pros, um, and we make the cut. That's oh, just about, yeah, just yeah. about. Two, two I know. Ah, right. oh, but that's that's a seven-year-old machine. Mm-hmm. At that yeah. point, that is a lot of support. Um, and well, the, the, the thing about it is. Uh... I haven't, I haven't uh, moved up to um, the current version. No, the, Catalina. Catalina, because I've had that many problems with it. Um, so it's really scared me off moving. Uh, but I think when Big Sur comes out, I will definitely upgrade. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm, I'm the... That's the thing. I have no upgrade route to um, Big Sur. I have contemplated, because the price of 2014 Mac Minis is quite reasonable now. But then I'm thinking I'm only getting a two-year-older machine and am I going to get that much more improvement uh, over an old i7 versus a new i5? So I bet you would. I've got a bit of homework to do. I bet you would. I bet you'd be surprised. Um, I mean, I went, as you know, from a 2012 MacBook Pro, which was the old non-retina one with the deep, you know, with the optical drive, all that, um, to the to the 2013 and even there, the performance difference was noticeable. Um, how long, you know, this machine will... This machine, thankfully, is going to make the cut, so I'm going to be able to go to Big Sur. How long they will extend that? But Apple, you know, have in the past let it run as long as nine years before they cut machines off. When they do cut machines off, they often then have to be quite, you know, they'll people will go, oh, well, they've cut off, you know, four years worth of machines. It's like, well, you've had nine years of support. You know what I mean? Well, um, this is the thing. I'm going to power up a, uh, an old Windows computer uh, and see how well that, that performed. But then I realized it was Windows. And the, the sad thing is, I've, um, I really wish I could crack a Hackintosh and I'm looking over at a nicely specced i5 with 16 gig that's running Windows. If I could crack a Hackintosh onto that, I'd be more than happy. Yeah. And by the way, of course, Hackintosh is another market that's going away because nobody's, it's going to be a lot more difficult to make a Hackintosh when Apple go on custom silicon. In yeah, fact, it may well... be a few years. It's, it's oh, not, yes, it's going to be a few years. It's going away now because the latest OSs, you've got that, um, what's that secure enclave uh, that they're putting well, into the like the touch T- bar stuff? T2. Yeah, that's sort of been their death now sounded for doing hackintoshes yeah um there we go but hackintoshes will still be a thing for a few years to come so you know 
it's it's not the end. But um, as somebody suggested on another podcast I was listening to, is the you know is the new Hackintosh uh, is the new Hackintosh uh, scene going to be hacking Mac OS onto iPads? Mm. Well, that, that's yeah. I mean, that Maybe. would be interesting because the problem is with the iPad, it doesn't have a swap file. So what does it do? Because it, if it's, so, if it's only got what's the new iPad got now? Four gig. I've no idea. Um, I think somebody mentioned the top one might have six, but um... but that that's the problem. You see, once it has no, from what I believe, and I'm, I'm actually again researching this and doing a, a bit. Well, of they use they it. use unified memory, don't they? Where all the memory is available to both the the graphics and the, um... which is probably why they've gone. I can imagine on the the this Apple silicates why they've gone with a massive great big SSD. Because I wouldn't be surprised if they're using the SSD as an extension of memory. But I yeah, that's possible. You that on... yeah, particularly oh, with the speed of modern SSDs, that's possible. I've just realized I'm talking rubbish because you're putting macOS onto an iPad, so you're not restricted by uh, what I th- by the RAM, potentially. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry well, about that. Cut that out, Simon. Uh, well, whatever. I'm just saying. I mean, all these things are we don't know because we're none of us are expert enough to know. But I did hear, you know, and you just said earlier on in the show, didn't you, Mark, that somebody hacked uh, Big Sur onto an iPad Pro. So, you know, is that going to be the new Hackintosh scene? But there we are. Um, what else? Um, Stephen Sinofsky has been praising Apple uh, quite a lot, actually. Uh, he, he started off before the uh, WWDC with a kind of uh, a piece, um, I might have mentioned it last week, uh, talking about if Apple were to do it, what would it mean and how would they go about it, in his opinion. Um, obviously, he then followed that up after the announcement uh with a piece called Apple's Relentless Strategy, Execution and Point of View, which is a very good read. Um, the link I've got here is to Medium, which is a, a kind of compilation of a Twitter thread uh, with some extra comments by him after the fact. So um, if you're interested, uh, Stephen Sinofsky, of course, being um, a big wheel in the office um, development team back in the uh, sort of Yeah, he uh, was very instrumental in the... Sod putting office, you know, sod making everything proprietary, get it out there onto everything. And I yes. think that has paid a massive dividend. Um, just coming back very quickly to uh, what Jim said earlier on, uh, I did used to have a Surface Pro and it was a great bit of kit. I really enjoyed it. The only problem was the OS was just not designed for pen. They tried, and for what I recall, it was only Office, no, um, OneNote, that really, that was like a flagship app. Of course, I didn't have Photoshop, but good idea. It can work. Smaller screen with chubby digits, desktop interface, doesn't work. I think, though, as Kelly said, you know, that was, and you've said before, that was, you know, an early Surface Pro. I suspect if you were to go and look at one of the new iterations, it has moved on, and as has the iPad, you know, in leaps and bounds because the the chip, the power of the chip, and the number of iterations they've had have improved it vastly. Um, but do you know, I sometimes wonder, big companies like this, just how how Apple are so good at it. It makes you wonder how they how far ahead they plan. Um, I it's, well, it, it seems to me that. 
that that quite some of these big moves must be planned over 10 years well yeah like indeed and and if you read um if you read so when that... they're actually releasing some of the stuff that we think is so cool they're actually thinking of what's coming 10 years down yeah well, well, five years perhaps five to ten years well that's what Stephen sanofsky is writing about in that piece um he yeah. says he's talking about how apple um plan you know 10 years down the road and that if they but have anyone, to go anyone who's tried planning 12 months ahead knows how difficult that is mm. they must have some clever people working there i guess yeah and <laughs> what he's saying is you know often they apple will appear to set a goal 10 years down you know like you know we go to the moon yes. not because it is easy but because it is bloody hard that and then, and then every move they make from that point is actually is, sort of is, slowly is moving a, everything know, towards this is a point. step forward a stepping stone towards that goal um and as he says that's a completely different way to how most technology companies work but apple are yep. very good at it and that is what allows them it, it it also causes some pain because as we know as apple moved forward towards their vision it's like okay dvd drives we don't want those anymore chuck them away yep. right you know it's such a well, the, com- the comments uh, the comments Out. on that last uh, the comments on the um on one of these notes i was reading uh was just that it was all the 2013 powerful mac users who were saying iMac users saying oh why won't my machine be included in the upgrades yeah. so yeah there is some pain there, yeah, even if they're I, quite I, old machines. Yeah, I, I had that on my uh, on my YouTube channel. I got quite a few comments of saying, there's a 2013 MacBook Pro. That gets through the door. But my way more capable and way more powerful iMac from the same generation doesn't. So it, it's a bit weird, that one. Well, but it's probably yeah, going to be hardware, isn't it? It's probably um, going to be hardware somewhere it, along the line. It, in there, it almost, almost certainly, the thing that will make the difference there will be the graphics the graphics chip yeah it could be yeah when well, the iMac would be probably way more capable no i doubt it because i don't i don't think the i don't think the 2013 the 2013 um iMac was not a retina screen the, the iMacs are basically uh, apple laptops and a desktop body it's basically the same um i bet you i bet you it'll come down to graphics because when yeah. my when my white macbook um didn't make the cut for you know whatever the OS was that year, I think it was Mountain Lion. I think I got up to Lion, and I couldn't go to I couldn't go to Mountain Lion. And when I researched the reason, it was because that machine topped out at two gig of RAM and did not have a sufficiently good graphics card. Right. If yeah. I had the model which was the next model on, so literally probably six months newer, that could go all the way up to four you know could go to four maybe even eight gig of ram and it had a better graphics card and that machine went all the way up to um el capitan or something you know yeah what interests me is that at some point presumably apple are going to say okay from this point onwards if it hasn't got a t2 chip we're not supporting it anymore and that there's probably going to be quite a lot fall off a cliff edge oh yeah that will that will be the, the you know that will be the point when that happens, that will be the point. Like with, uh, I can't remember which which one. It, well, I can't remember if it was whether it was Sierra or High Sierra was the one where they said, right, it's got to have this meet this spec, and that was one of those times where about four years worth of Mac models were like, you're no longer going to make the cut. 
Um, yeah. After several years of, if you can, you know, it was like, if you can run Mavericks, you can run El Capitan. If you can run El Capitan, you can run Sierra. If you can run Sierra, you can run High Sierra, whatever. And then all of a sudden, oh, it might have been Mojave. And then they went, right, with this new one, right, you have to make this spec. And a whole slew of Macs got, got cold. It's right. like, you will not make the, you will no longer make the cut. And there were people squealing. And as I say, you know, some of them would like, really your machine you know you're crying that your machine has been supported for nine years of os updates <laughs> you know well, what is your machine though well <laughs> of you course. don't want to have to spend more money yeah i know and it'll be you yeah. know i will I can, be i can put myself in their position <laughs> i will be gutted when my you know when my mac doesn't make the cut but my machine's already seven years old even though i've only had it a year um that's not the point is it you can't expect no, no, it to be not. supported forever and at some point i will have to replace it um right we've been going quite a long time um if you want to hear craig federighi uh talking about all of this stuff um he was on the talk show from uh wwdc 2020 along with uh greg i believe it's joswiak um Josiak. Josiak. i think i don't know um yeah, something like that. Well, like, it depends whether he pronounces it in the, you know, orig- in the original kind of Polish or Eastern European manner or whether it's become American. Uh, good point. In which it might be, yeah. you know, it might be Joswiak or it might be Yowiak. Anyway, be all that as it may. Um, and then Craig uh, alone was talking to Marquis Brownlee um, on his podcast. So if you're interested in hearing Hair Force One tell you lots more about it, um, he also explains why there's no calculator on the iPad and uh, why the weather widget on the um, iPhone doesn't make it to the iPad either and why if you uh, click on weather on your iPad, you get taken to the weather.com or somewhere. Um, yeah. can, I, can I throw in a quick question to you all and see what you, what you think? iOS 14... Now, apparently, it can be run on the original uh, iPhone SE, Google Water. Yes, 6S and up. Again, yeah. another, uh, that's, that's six years of iOS devices being yeah. supported. The, the changes in iOS 14 uh, allowing you to do a, a certain amount of customization, is it enough for you? Yeah. Plenty I think it's. Um... I see what you're saying. It sort of, um, I think Apple have done the bare minimum to placate the people that are saying well come on apple you've got to do something now maybe as what nick said they seem to in some ways they seem to be thinking way down the line and then in other ways it's just sort of well it 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 feels like a recent decision it doesn't ever feel like this was in Apple's DNA to be allowed, you know, such freedom in madness as if I'm watching a Netflix film and someone messages me, I can reply and I don't have to come out or lose the film or it grays out. So I think they've done just enough. And what if you think about it, but then look at what they're doing, but they're doing it in a completely different way. You know, the, the widgets have to be coded in a certain way instead of... I think, I think, we've, um, I think we've said before that quite often Apple get focused on something in particular and other things take a, a background as, as a consequence and i think probably the apple silicon was meant to be the big the big announcement and as mm. a consequence they've all their focuses has been on that therefore the iphone got a little bit of um touching up as it were a little bit of tlc 
and that's about all it got because the, they were focusing on the yes. uh, on something else. And Apple have quite often been like that when they've been focused on something big coming up. They've sort of not not exactly dropped the ball, but they've yeah kicked the ball around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let it, uh, on some of the other stuff. Definitely let some things go on to the back burner, don't they? Um, yeah, it's that's just Apple, I think. I I quite like the the the, the new stuff they've put in. It, it, all yep. it does, I'm sure if I was an Android user, I'd be saying, "Oh, mm-hmm. you're just catching up with us." Yeah, 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 but, yeah. But... but yeah, but I still like what they've done. The I only... like the fact that you can have different size widgets and all that sort of stuff. The only the only thing that struck me as slightly weird is. It's been, um, might have been Gazmaz who said, but if you get the, um, if you have the widget and it's the four, like the four tile widget, so say you make your clock, you, know, yeah. you make the clock widget and you have it uh, the size of four icons, you can have it on the left or the right, but you cannot have it in the center with, you know, two widgets or to the, the left. Uh, right, okay. You cannot have it centered on the screen. It has to be on the left hand side or the right hand side. Which struck me as, and, and the other thing was that the widget can't go in the bottom either. Yes, the it widget automatically goes, goes to the top. Yeah, you cannot yeah. have it at the, at the in the bottom row either. Very strange, but you know these things will change. I just made it. I just wondered why you know why not let it be centered? Because for a lot of people, you know, if you want the if you want the clock big, maybe you want that in the center of the screen. Oh, that'll, that'll be very much be. a Apple design choice of trying to yeah, keep probably. symmetry. Yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be it'll be just uh, someone didn't like that the look, the way that that made the screen look so they've decided <laughs> not to do it. Something as simple as that. Oh, definitely. But there we go. Um there we are. Uh for what it's worth then and I think we'll just wrap it up. First dev kit benchmarks have appeared. Uh, a link to the show mu- uh, show notes uh for that. Uh Mark sent that in literally uh, just before the show, so I haven't had a chance to um, I haven't had a chance to look at those. And uh, also, uh, on the day of recording, yesterday was the thirteenth anniversary of the launch of the original iPhone. Ah, oh, happy oh. birthday to it! Yeah. Oh, there wasn't much uh, fuss made about that in the press, was there? Uh, no, there was quite a lot on the um, in the tech. You know, the tech. Uh, streams about it mostly just wow can you believe it's 13 years since the you know iphone um hit the street um, and can you believe that we were only paying five or six hundred dollars for it <laughs> yeah i know i paid uh, 450 I, I quid I, I made the mistake um i, I got i got the uh, first iphone uh 302 as that was only a company that did, did support it and um it was only a matter of months before the version two came out, and I th- I'm pretty sure that, uh, they, they basically let you keep the, the the first generation phone and gave you a second one, second generation one. I think it was for free as well, if I mind right. Oh right. Um, okay. So, so I, I probably sold my first generation one, and I wish I'd held on to it. <laughs> I got seventy quid for it, and now you but what's a fair bit now. The um, part of the reason for that, Jim, um, was that if you remember, the iPhone didn't launch in this country for yeah. nearly six months. I think it was November. Before yeah, it was, it was, and I think I didn't buy mine until maybe the January. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because, of course, originally they were almost impossible to lay hands on. Um, so by the time I was able to get an iPhone, it was like January. And yeah, it was only about six months before the 3G was launched. And um, I think I waited a short while. But yes, at the time, O2 were quite generous in letting me trade mm-hmm. up to the 3G. Um now, of course, you know, originally they are now, you know, you're in your contract. And if you want if you want to upgrade before you've done your time, you've got, a, um, you know, you've got to pay off. Although, of course, uh, at the time I had to pay 450 quid just for the phone. So I guess possibly I owned the phone outright at, those, at that time. But uh, there we go. Um, 13 years. Difficult to um, difficult to kind of process that really, isn't it? Um, and it's also... <laughs> quite difficult to um it's quite difficult to uh grasp just how excited we were to lay our hands on a you know iphone oh, yeah. one um it was a massive massive uh thing if you weren't around at the time i don't think people can um understand just what a big deal it was there we are and it's a scary thing to think that 13 years has passed by in the flash yeah yeah <laughs> I know. And I images have... of images of Steve Barmer saying, and "Who was going to pay five or six hundred dollars for a phone?" Yeah, laughing. <laughs> you know, it's got no keyboard on it. It's a joke. <laughs> yeah, I bet he regrets that now. Um, I bet he does. Right. What? What else? Before we round up, um, Apple has revealed that Touch ID and Face ID will be coming to Safari. Um, so that's 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 quite big news. So this is the Fido Alliance stuff, isn't it? The, yes. um that's quite big really i don't think we realize how big it's quite a small story but it's actually quite a, well, a big it, story I mean, for security people have been saying ever since they brought out you know the uh the laptops with uh, touch id um and so on you know why we can we can use touch id or face id to you know open our phones or unlock our laptops but we can't use those to verify to ourselves authenticate or, ourselves authenticate yeah. ourselves so that is quite a big story actually um link it's from forbes um but not a negative story from forbes for once uh there no. We are. no you know as i've said before forbes are a strange bunch they seem to have a huge uh range of uh correspondence from the you know from the very knowledgeable like um Ben Baharin and Carolina Milanese down to the, you know, uh, clickbait headline hacks. There we are. Um, Shout out uh, to Pete Knowlton of Ghostery, uh, who has started a podcast called Ghosteries, uh, and that's spelt ghost stories, uh, but, you know, portmanteaued. Um, Link in the show notes. Uh, only a couple out at the moment. Um, first one, a kind of introduction, and the second one, a little bit of history. I'm looking forward to more of those. Uh, if you are a ghostry user, uh, and uh, also, of course, Pete's been on the show, and no doubt we'll be back at some point. Um, a new podcast from them, and that's on Anchor, but of course, also available through your podcatcher of choice. And um, also links to some tips from uh, Dougie in the Slack room. Uh, if anyone is looking for services similar to 33Mail, I I have been using Anonaddy and Simple Login. Both are good services and do not seem to get blocked as often as 33Mail. 
which um, I don't use a vast amount, but some services won't accept it. I guess they're aware that it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's an anonymizer and they won't accept it. So uh, there we go. Uh, two new ones to investigate if you're into that sort of thing. And uh, I think we uh, are going to wrap up and then we're going to let Nemo take us out. So, uh, Mark, where can people find you? You can find me on the Twitter at Ocean Speed, uh, obviously on this podcast, and I've got the other podcast called The Watching Men, which is also on the YouTube. And you can find my stuff on the YouTube as well. Go and have a look for Essential Apple. Jim? Uh, in the Slack group. Uh, on Flickr is the SRPS paint shop. Also on Vimeo, but you'll find the link to that in the show notes. And I'm the administrator of the Essential Apple uh, Flickr group. Uh, if you wish to join the skippers, we click on the link and Flickr. Excellent. Nick? Uh, you can find me occasionally on Twitter as Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. You can uh, catch me occasionally on um, Bart's Let's Talk Apple. And um, these days, if you want to um, see some of my handiwork uh, um, streaming, if you do a search in YouTube for Sutton Park Circuit, then you can worship along with uh, people in the Sutton Park Circuit, uh, which is stuff I'm streaming from my machine. Very good. There we go. Um, I am, of course, on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Um, I'm in the Slack room, of course, along with Jim and uh, all the rest of the crew, uh, Nick and Mark sometimes, and all the rest of us, uh, where we talk about all sorts of things, not only uh, Apple and not only the show. Um, you can find all our stuff on the website, uh, which is essentialapple.com. Thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you for people who support us in any way whatsoever, financial or otherwise. And uh, I think we're going to all say goodbye now and let John Nemo uh, open his hardware store and tell us what he has this week. So uh, goodbye all. Bye-bye. See you. Ta-da. Take it away, John. I've been an active trail hiker for a really long time, but I've never used any dedicated hiking poles or sticks. My friend Jack, about 25 years or so ago, gave me some saguaro rib hiking sticks that he had made from a giant cactus in his backyard, and so we've been using those ever since. Well, a company called Free Move, that's F-R-E-E-M-O-V-E, Devoted Sport Lifestyle, Sent to Nemo's hardware store for review, the Free Move Trekking Poles, collapsible, lightweight, ultra-strong aluminum 7075 sticks for hiking and walking with cork grips, quick locks, fully equipped accessories, gear for men and women, totally risk-free purchase, lifetime guarantee, including replacement parts for free. Pretty impressive. And for $35, you get two of these free move trekking poles. That's the American U.S. price, and Simon will try to find the price for international purchases. It's a brand new product, so we may need to contact the company once the international availability is announced. Let's have a look at these poles. Take them out of the sleeve. Lightweight but durable. A couple of different clip locks for adjustment. A very strong rubber tip at the bottom. 
And at the other end, the cork gripping handle and a really nice, cushy, soft loop, a wrist loop to keep the wrist and the cork grip and the trekking poles in place. Exceptionally good quality, very good feel to them. They come in black with some silver highlights. They say that they're indestructible. We don't want to find out about that. And they call their precise, collapsible, telescopic, quick lever lock system, manually adjusting to the length you're liking and you're hiking with one simple move. And when I unclip one and extend it, I can see exactly how far I want it to go. Unclip the other one, extend that, and it's ready to go. Comes with a package of accessories. Let's have a look at the accessories here. Whoa, there's a lot of them. And when you take off the rubber gripper, there's a really, really good tungsten carbide tip that increases traction when you're going over rocky terrain. So you can do them in the gym, or you can do them on the soft trail or the sand, or you can do them on the rugged trail. There's also some accessories for mud and for snow. Now here in southern Arizona, we can't go hiking at the moment, not because it's too hot, but because our forest is on fire. So I haven't had a chance to test these in live conditions, but walking around the neighborhood, they're very impressive. And everybody says, where'd you get those anti-slip natural cork grips? Absorb sweat and keep hands cool and dry. In addition, as a bonus, they provide a lanyard that has a compass on it and a temperature thermometer on the back, Fahrenheit and centigrade. And it's also a whistle if you get stuck on the trail and you want somebody to find you because a bear is about to eat you. So have a look at the free move trekking poles. Exceptionally good value, very good quality, lightweight. You'll have them for years and years and years. And we're glad to be working with this new company because they have some other products that they will be sending us for the outdoors people here at Essential Apple. I know there's a lot of us who like doing stuff in the great outdoors and Free Move will be here to support us. We are speaking live with Lester from AirTurn. Lester, what is AirTurn? AirTurn is a company that makes uh, accessories and controls for computers and iPads and to assist the mobile musician making their performance easier and more convenient. Great. Well, I have something here called the Manos, M-A-N-O-S. Is that how you pronounce it? Correct. And it's on a stand called the Go Stand. Are they sold separately or are they sold as a unit? They can be purchased separately or together. What kind of price are we talking about in the U.S.? Retail is $49 each, and when you buy them together, there's a discount. And are they available in U.K. and Europe and worldwide? Worldwide, almost every country in Europe, Asia, Australia, Great. Well, I have here my giant 13-inch iPad Pro in a Catalyst protective case, and it doesn't look like the AirTurn Monos is going to be able to fit. So can you walk me through how to get the Monos to protect my precious iPad from falling on the ground when I'm rehearsing with my group? Sure. So the first thing you want to do is make sure that the Monos is set flat so that you can insert the iPad parallel to the floor. So I loosen these these just knobs on the side. And yeah, they just need to be slightly loose. They don't need to be loose. Now the monos yeah. is, is flat, like a giant T position. Okay, what's next, Lester? So take your iPad, put it 
between the two hands. Okay, uh, got, got these two clamps yeah. here. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. How do I know Perfect. where to position it? What I suggest doing is making sure that for when you have it in portrait mode, that about 60% of the top side of the monos is going to be above the hands and about 40% below the hands. This just helps with the weight of this particular uh, unit so that it won't slide down uh, when it's in portrait mode. Great. So it's in there, it's clamped in place at about 60, 40. And how do I get it, how do I get it to flip so I can see what I'm doing? Okay, so now there's a, a thumb knob on the uh, top of the ghost stand there. And you just, yeah, there you go, and lift it up. That's it. Set it where you want it, tighten it again. So now I'm looking at it, so whether I'm playing the guitar or clarinet or saxophone or whatever, I can raise or lower the ghost stand to my correct height. And then the top where I would normally have like a microphone on a stand, that's where the monos is. And that's where the iPad Pro is clamped and secured in place. What happens if I want to like read the paper or read my email between rehearsals? So if you want to go to landscape mode, you just hold the two hands of the monos and just rotate it. That's it. And does it matter that's that it. it's 60, 40 now? You're, you're perfect. That's it. And then when you're done, you want to just return it back to flat or you can take it out right where it is. It doesn't matter. And once it's in position, if I'm in a rehearsal and I'm going to be coming back, I can just leave it there, right? Or I could, yep. I could leave it in this position and put it in my car even if I had to. Yep. Great. So now it's in place. So I'm doing my rehearsal. Oh, that boy, that looks great. I can turn the page from one sheet to another. And do you make a foot pedal so I don't need to yep. touch we, the screen? We make a whole series of foot pedals that work with most music applications, and they can be uh, simply uh, connected using Bluetooth, and then within the app, uh, they can be programmed for all kinds of different things within the apps. What kind of price range and which one would you recommend if somebody could only get one of these pedals? Well, they range from 79 to 139 and uh, depends on how many switches you want, what kind of feel you want. For the classical musician, most classical musicians choose the Ertrin Duo. It'll pretty much last you, it'll outlast your iPad for sure. <laughs> and the battery has a rechargeable battery on it that goes for about uh, 200 hours and it can be recharged about 2,000 times. So wow. um, it's, it's a very um, important tool to add to your uh, digital arsenal. Very good. So basically, your whole expenditure is going to be either side of $200 for the foot pedal and the stand and for the Monos clamp. Is that correct? Yeah, and there's discounts when you buy more than one item, so you can save up to 30% uh, depending on how much you buy. Priced differently if we buy it through Amazon or somebody else, or is it pretty much the same everywhere? The discounts that are applied aren't available through everybody. They are on our site. Uh, Amazon has a limited number of bundles, whereas you can bundle anything you want together on our site. What's your internet address? Say that nice and slow. It is www.airturn.com. A-I-R-T-U-R-N, one word, www.airturn.com. And yep. that's great. Well, this is fascinating. I'm going to use this every day, and my wife's going to be so jealous when she's going to want to get one to do her New York Times crossword puzzle. So <laughs> They're great for FaceTime conversations so that, you know, the iPad's not moving all over the place and you're, you know, can just focus on your conversation so they're great for a lot of different things 
Now, am I correct, Lester, that pretty much set it and forget it? Once I get it in place, as long as my playing or reading or lab or whatever position I'm going to be in, recipes, whatever, whatever position I'm going to be in, just leave it there and just take the pad out. Is that correct or do I need to disassemble it? I don't need to disassemble it. No. And tell everybody how important it is about the extensions of the feet at the bottom and about tightening that little knob at the very bottom to keep the feet in place. So there are extensions on the ghost stand feet so you can set it up for uneven surfaces or the taller you want your ghost stand, the more you need to expand the feet. But if you're just seated musician, seated activity, you don't need to extend the feet. Good. And there's that little tiny knob at the bottom that keeps those feet in place from jumping all over the room. Now, what if people have one or more of these or if they want to use it as a mic stand, does it have a standard thread at the top? Yes, a standard mic thread. So you can also get a side mount clamp uh, with your your rig. It's about uh, 12 bucks. Once the um, side mount clamp's on there, then you put the iPad on the side of the uh, go stand and then you put your boom on top and your mic on top. So you have a whole rig that's a different configuration. But it's very inexpensive to add those. I think it's $12 for a boom and $12, no, $15 for a boom and $12 for a side mount clamp. So I already have a boom on a, one of your products that I reviewed many, many years ago. So if you get a chance to send me one of those side mount clamps, we can do follow-up coverage here. Great. It's been wonderful talking to Lester from airturn.com. And this is John Nemo. We'll be back next week with more from Nemo's Hardware Store here at Essential Apple. Bye, Lester. Thank you. been listening to the essential apple podcast and i'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both patreon and the pinecast tips jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show Uh, or even if you're really keen you could set up a recurring payment and thank you very very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh... Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcasts, and take a listen. Yeah, I think just a straight ad, don't you? Yeah. Like what? What would we say? Like Tech Fan Podcast, or... Are you are you interested in technology and gadgets? Uh huh. Do you um, want to listen to two guys who know technology and gadgets? Are we claiming to be those guys? Yes. <laughs> well, there, there we go. Are we claiming to be that be those guys? You be the judge. Tech fan podcast. No, that'll work. Let's yeah? use that as yeah? an ad.
the Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.